Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our episode, our mini episode with our election series. I am Claire Campos O'Neill. And I'm Nicole Abshire. And we are really excited to talk a little bit more about redistricting in Texas. So the way we're going to ground our conversation today is around this event that Nicole and I attended. We went to the Texas Tribune Festival. And for those of you, well, it's called Trip Fest. But for those of you who don't know, the Texas Tribune, which is a news publication here in Texas, puts on this fantastic festival here in Austin once a year where they invite lots of politicians from Texas, but also nationally and political experts and influential voices in the political realm to talk about topics of the day. So we went to this talk called On the Ballot, which had two guest speakers. They invited uh, Colin Aldred, who is a U.S. representative from Dallas, to speak on redistricting, and also Michael Lee, who is a senior counsel for the Brennan Center for Justice's Democracy Program. And the thing that they were speaking to was, is it safer or harder to vote in Texas in 2022, and are our elections more secure? Hmm. So, Nicole, what do you well, guess what they said? <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that mysterious, especially after the other things that we've talked about, um, which is that, no, it is not easier. It is actually harder to vote in Texas. Um, and our elections are, are not more secure. They're just continue to be secure, like mostly, right? There are a few exceptions maybe to that. I don't mean to say exceptions. I actually mean to say there are some ways we can make it more secure, but by and large, we have very safe and secure elections. Yeah, it was a great conversation. And I didn't realize that Colin Aldred was a former civil, sorry, former voting rights lawyer. So he knows a lot about the ins and outs of voting. And Michael Lee, he does a lot of writing, a lot of um, – apparently he has a blog that the, the New York Times calls indispensable regarding this redistricting conversation. So he's just like a really good communicator, very funny. And I and both of them communicated this in a way that was really easy to understand. And as we discovered in our conversation with Charlie Bonner, this stuff is so confusing, but we're going to keep talking about it. So hopefully like with that repetition, it will start to sink in. No um, doubt. Yeah. One of the things that they started off talking about was uh, accessibility to the ballot box. And they began the conversation around vote by mail in Texas. So for those of you who don't know, it's, who can vote by mail in Texas is very limited. It's basically seniors, students, and people with disabilities. And now, if you recall from our conversation with Representative Vicki Goodwin, pregnant people. So a very small pool of who's even eligible to vote. Some states, they send everyone mail-in ballots. They're like, if you want to vote by mail, have at it. In Texas, it is not that way. It's hard to vote by mail. And SB1, which was passed last legislative session, made it even harder and they shared w with the audience that now this past uh, primary voting session, 
there was a 12% rejection rate of mail-in ballots from SB1. What happened with SB1 was there was some like additional identifier that had to be included on the mail-in ballots that was very confusing to people. And a lot of ballots got tossed out. Whereas previously it was like one to 2% rejection rate. Well, this is like a 10% increase. I mean, it, it, it they threw a lot of ballots out. And it's sad because pe- these people, like they, it's hard enough for them to vote and it just got harder. And again, it's like, are we making it easier or harder to vote? Well, in this case, it was harder for people to vote by mail. Yeah. Well, and, and to, to bring that home, I think, right. Sometimes these things can seem so vague. So it's like, what do you mean? They made it harder to vote. And so, um, I know the example that I've been told again and again at now a few different events, thank goodness, right. For the repetition, um, which is that when you, um, apply to vote by mail, obviously we already, you just specified who was even eligible, right? So that's already cuts down on who's eligible, right? Um, you have to be a senior, somebody with a disability, or a student. Okay, so then once you apply to vote by mail, you have to, you have two ways that you can identify yourself. You can give the last four digits of your social security number, or you could give your driver's license number, or some sort of other approved ID number. But the thing is that that on your application has to match the number that you originally registered to vote with, which you may not remember because it may have been so long ago. So let's say you decide that you're going to do the last four digits of your social security number. If that isn't what you originally registered to vote with, your application would be rejected. So the recommendation is that you fill in both of those spots so that you're safe either way, but people didn't know that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you would think you could just put in some form of your identity that proves who you are, right? And so it shouldn't matter that that isn't what you originally registered to vote with. So that's just, for me, I needed that kind of really specific understanding of why it's harder. And it's because it's super wonky, (laughs) Very wonky. Something good that happened, and we would like to report on the good, we want to be holistic here, was that um, with SB1, they did make it easier to track online. They made it easier to track your ballot if you mailed it in. You could track it online. Sorry, I hope I'm saying all this all this right. So you, so if you saw that your vote wasn't counted and you knew you mailed it in, you could try to still go in person come election day or early voting and rectify that. So that was a good thing. But again, it's it's another. I mean, you would hope that you would send it off and it would be fine, but because of these wonky new rules, you have to be extra vigilant. And I think that the, both of these men would say we're trying to make voting easier, and when we have these like extra special rules, it's it puts more of the onus on the voter and not the state to make sure that we're opening it up to as many people as possible. And that's not good for democracy. It also <sighs> assumes access to the internet, right? Which not everyone necessarily has. Plus just mm-hmm. a tech literacy that some people may not have. So that's a barrier. Mm-hmm. I mean, while I know we applaud that you have the ability to know ahead of time if there's been a problem, there is still some level of a barrier built into that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Another 
will mention positive that Michael Lee pointed out was that with SB1, some sound, some counties saw extended early voting opportunities. And that's good. The more early voting people have access to, the better. However, with SB1, they did do away with 24-hour voting, which you saw a lot of participation in in Harris County. And again, it's a, it's a good thing to have for folks who have erratic schedules, might work night shifts, and and it creates more opportunity for them to cast their ballot. Well, SB1 didn't really like that. <laughs> it opened it up for more folks, so they tampered it down. And these guys are really good about pointing out the improvements and the and the setbacks. But overall, they would say, we've once again made it harder to vote in Texas. Something interesting that they shared was that, uh, I'm not sure when this was, but they said that the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, he spent 22,000 hours trying to find voter fraud and spent millions of dollars, and they only found 16 minor cases of voter fraud in Texas, basically pointing out that with all this manpower, all this money, this is before SB1, that there really wasn't systemic, widespread voter fraud in Texas. So it, it's peculiar that this is the focus of a lot of our discussions in the legislature trying to rectify what many would say isn't a problem. And I'm glad that they paused and pointed that out because I didn't realize that so many government resources were going into finding this, quote, problem, and there was no problem. And they still were like, we don't care. We're going to make sure that it's harder to vote. Don't like that. Right. Yeah, I think so much of what can be disheartening is when just exactly what you said, I'm just repeating it, right? Which is that when um, there are these problems that are being solved by this legislation that gets in the way of voters and having their voice heard in our democracy, when it's supposed to be, or we're told that it's solving a problem only to pull back the curtain, go behind the ballot and discover that there is not actually a problem. And that's really frustrating. It is. And we have... Yeah, well, we have to remember that our, our government has finite dollars. There's only so many hours in a day. So let's make sure we're spending them effectively, not on things that really don't matter. And if we do, in fact, spend the money and the time and find out it doesn't matter, let it go. Move on to the next problem. Don't keep, you know, don't double down and say, okay, well, we didn't find it, but we're still going to make sure that it's challenging to vote because- at the end of the day, these are our elected representatives, and we are still in a democracy. So let's let's try to make voting accessible to as many people as possible because we have to grab onto that common value. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in a different form of government that I think many of us are not going to like. So it's important for us to realize what is happening behind the scenes, like you're saying, Nicole. Yeah. Well, and exposes it really does expose people's motives, right? the motive then isn't to actually solve a problem. The motive is to make your agenda, like have a justification no matter what, (laughs) even if that means, oh, I don't want to straight up say lying, but certainly exaggerating, certainly Mm -hmm. exaggerating an issue in order to justify what it is you really want to do anyway. Right. Um, A question that was asked uh, by the moderator to Representative Allred and Michael Lee was what would improve election security. So 
we're going to just here assume that there really isn't like voter widespread voter fraud happening in Texas. But they did say there are things we could do to make our elections more secure. And Allred said that would be having verifiable paper trails. This is a good thing that we do need to be mindful of our cybersecurity and potential hacking that could happen. And that what we need to do is make sure we have enough funding available for our poll workers and having um, proper a proper recounting procedure if and when that needs to happen, like if the vote's really, really close. Um, yes, so that's what his focus was. And then Lee, again, said, our elections are pretty secure. Um, even when we do audits, you know, they, they come out, they come out great. One thing we could do that would really help our, elect, our election system here in Texas, and we've heard this again and again, is having online voter registration, because there is a lot of um, slip-ups, mess-ups that happen in that handwritten process between people writing down their information and then the person who receives it putting it into a database system. There's a lot of opportunity for human error, but if we could register online, it would eliminate that. It would make it easier for people to register. So that's some that's where the focus needs to be, not on hey, some of these other things. Do you remember Michael Lee's example of that, registering to vote, that he um, filled out his paperwork, I think he said three times. Oh, mm-hmm. and And whoever entered it could never spell his middle name correctly. Yes. It's, it's a Chinese name. And so after three attempts, I, I don't remember what the, what the conclusion was, but basically it took three times at least to get his middle name spelled correctly. And that's just normal human error, right? Like that, I don't think any of us are criticizing whoever these people are that are entering the data. Like these, these things are just normal and they're mistakes that happen. But if he had the ability to register online, enter it himself, it's going to be correct the first time. Right. Yeah. I empathize with that because my last name has an apostrophe and computer systems hate that. They're like no special characters allowed. So it's just, it's confusing. It's like, are people going to do... O O N E A L no space or O space N E A L or O apostrophe like oh, uh, right. oh right. yeah it's a mess anytime yeah. I sign up for anything online so I was like yep I know what you're talking about and I, and it's not even that people are messing up the spelling it's it's just like data entry <laughs> issues yeah what is the standard for yeah your but if I'm doing it I know I know what it's gonna be <laughs> that's not what we, that's not how it is now it's someone else doing it. Um, Okay, I talked about this example that they shared a little bit in our conversation with Charlie Bonner, but I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to correct myself because I have my notes in front of me. But they uh, were talking about this really interesting story of this man in Colorado who was like, I know there's election fraud happening, and I'm going to expose it. I'm going to find it. So he signed up to be an election worker. And as he was going through the training process and learning how those people actually do their jobs, he started to realize, whoa, it's actually really hard to cheat the system. And he kind of became a believer in the process. So I thought that was a funny little anecdote. Like, right, like, you know firsthand now that our system is a good system. And it's a shame that more people don't, I don't know, like believe that that's the case. Yes, I remember that story. That was a really good one. Um, well, and and 
what that made me want to circle back to as you were sharing that is, um, oh no, I'm having a brain failure. It's oh, okay. shoot. It was something that Michael Lee said. Okay. Sorry. Keep going, Claire. We'll come back. Michael we'll Lee. We'll come back. We'll come back. He's, he's, I'm oh, gonna, I know. Uh, I know. Oh yeah. Thank you for being patient with me, which is that the other point I think that he was bringing up with that story about that man is that also that kind of fraud or cheating with air quotes would be like the least efficient way to try to cheat, right? Mm -hmm. Like it makes so much more sense to try to hack the system and put in votes that way, but like to do these like hand ballads, like what in the world you really the ability to actually change the outcome of an election would be near impossible. Mm -hmm. Which is why, again, that they were pointing out that the way to secure elections is thinking about threats from the outside. Like that's really where we need to right. be worried and place our focus. It's not inside, insider fraud for True. lack of a better term. Yes. And this is making me think of a future conversation we're going to be having about <laughs> Christian nationalism, which is very much this ideology of pitting Americans against one another, this us versus them mentality. And you kind of see that here in this elect quote election fraud rhetoric that it, it's coming from in within when really, like you're saying, Nicole, we need to be mindful of the external governments and uh, whatever political ideologies that want to tear down democracy, like autocrats, those are the ones we need to really keep our eye out for. And yet, where are we spending our attention at, here at home? How are we going to make it harder for one another to vote? That's not where the focus should be. And we need to stop being so distrustful of one another because it's so bad for democracy and for our government system that it's not perfect, but it works out pretty well when it works the way it's supposed to. Yes. And we're going to, we will need to be united in order to fight off outside influence and forces. As we know, <laughs> we already, this isn't new, right? We, we know that there was interference in our most yep. recent elections. So we know mm -hmm. that this is an issue that is real. Um, Aldred, he, Representative Aldridge shared the story about how he, he said he went to Kenya recently and that they've had a lot of civil unrest and they recently had an election and a transition of power, but that election system was very transparent and there was a lot of uh, participation among the citizenry with the counting of the votes. So even though the man who lost was like, it's rigged, I didn't lose, there was enough people who laid eyes on the process as it happened that they were like, no, no, <laughs> you lost, sorry. And they trusted the system. And he said that's really important that we, again, collectively believe in this system and and can can participate in it together so that we can affirm, no, I was there. I saw it with my own eyes. Like it was as good as it could be uh, because there's still going to be dissenters. But if we can quiet their voices, we might have hope of things running smoothly. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that uh, Representative Aldred spent a lot of time speaking about was H.R. 1, the Freedom to Vote Act. And these would be national standards that could, would be set amongst all the states saying that there would be a certain number of days for early voting, 
same-day voter registration. We don't have that in Texas. I know we said this before, but we'll say it again. You have to register 30 days before an election. So you yeah, you have to <laughs> register 30 days before an election. And it's important because if you move here and you're like, I'm just going to go the day of November 8th and sign up, you can't do that. That's a way of suppressing the vote. And uh, also making it possible for everyone nationally to vote by mail because right now it's not that way. You have to have, you know, these certain uh, criteria in Texas to vote by mail. Um, and there was also some elements related to campaign finance and redistricting slash eliminating, reigning and gerrymandering within the HR1 Freedom to Vote Act. So there there is this movement nationally to streamline the process, but it's just in in the discussion stage nothing has been voted on or changed and until then we're kind of stuck with what we have here in texas you know state by state each state deciding how they want to do it and the way we're doing it in texas is is making it very hard to vote for a lot of folks yes and i remember too and i'm pretty sure this was michael lee rather than representative allred but that they have researched the accuracy of mail-in voting and, you know, and what they've learned is that it is incredibly accurate and reflective and there is little to no fraud. So just wanted to throw that out there that mail-in voting is a very safe form of voting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's pretty easy to do. I did mail-in voting. Um, I forget when I was pregnant and this was when COVID was happening and pregnancy was not listed as like a specific thing you could check the box on. So I just like selected disability. I shared this when we had our conversation with Vicki Goodwin. And I like to follow the rules. So I was like, is this okay? Am I going to get in trouble? Is my vote going to get cast out? Um, but at the time, Vicki even said that some legislators were like, we don't need to specify pregnant people because they can just say they have a disability. But pregnancy really isn't a disability. So again, if we just had it across the board, and if you want to vote by mail, you can. It clears up a lot of confusion and takes away a lot of anxiety for people like me who want to do the, do the right thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so we we – like what Michael Lee said, this leveling of the national playing field, especially for folks who do move a lot state to state, it would be so much easier if it was just, you know, same nationwide. Um, maybe we'll see or that. Or at least just minimum standards, I think. Minimum standards, correct. Know, if we're going to get into a states' rights argument here, this, yeah. doesn't, this doesn't preclude states from having other... Uh, standards or whatever it is that, you know, because clearly that's what we have in Texas. However, at least some minimum fairness across the nation would be amazing. Mm -hmm. They also spent a little bit of time talking about redistricting and gerrymandering. And as we have learned here, a lot of gerrymandering happens in Texas, which is where the politicians for some reason, are the ones drawing the district lines, and they draw it so that it's very, very favorable for their parties. So we have super, super blue districts and super, super red districts, and they're becoming less and less competitive over time. And they make the point that this is really bad for democracy because a lot of these representatives are hyper-focused on getting their small pool of voters and not representing the collective constituency and how that, again, is bad for democracy because we want representatives who will listen to everyone. They might not agree, but they need 
to be uh, respectful and responsive um, because that's who we got. So hopefully there will be some changes to, to eliminating gerrymandering. Um, apparently states are not allowed to gerrymander based on racial profiles, but it's okay if they do under partisan lines. Political, yeah. Or, yeah, I shouldn't say political, right? I don't yeah. want to accept those words, but yes, partisan. Which is weird. So let's just oh. like do away with it and be like, actually, you guys maybe shouldn't be picking your voters. Let's move it to an independent commission. Yes. That would be awesome. And hopefully we'll see that happen in our lifetime. I don't know. I hope it changes. Um, but both of these guys were just so knowledgeable and – yeah, it's funny to say delightful, but Nicole, you were saying Michael Lee. He's like he was just like a kind of a fun guy to listen to. So um, he as- somehow like every answer had a little bit of a story feel to it, mm-hmm. and also with this really light, he had a kind of a light tone about everything, even though what he was saying was all very serious. Yeah, and then I also like the combination of the two of them was such a treat. I felt like yeah, Colin Allred would come in with the. I don't know. It, it, he, they were both factual, so that's not it at all. But there was something about the way the juxtaposition of the two of them that just made them really fun to watch. They felt like some sort of political comedic duo to me that I just, I really enjoyed them together. Yeah, they were great. Uh, totally agree. I, It's a very sobering topic, but they were able to, um, yeah, like you said, kind of make it light and entertain I don't know entertaining edutaining <laughs> like we try to be uh so we enjoyed learning a little bit more from them and uh yeah I would definitely say follow both of them on Twitter read their articles because you're going to learn more about redistricting gerrymandering our election security access to the ballot box because in the at the end of the day that's what we need is easier access because the more civic engagement we have, the better we off we all are. And that's how we get that discussion of ideas and actually feel like we have a seat at the table. Um, otherwise, it's just a few voices who are controlling what happens. Yes. Well, and another plug, um, Michael Lee, as we mentioned, is part of the Brennan Center for Justice. And if you go there, you can find a, uh, it's called a redistricting newsletter, I think is the name of it. But if you just kind of poke around on that website, you can find some really interesting information. But I think twice a month they send out a redistricting newsletter. It's national, but I'm really curious to read it and just kind of keep up with that. Yes. The other thing that I wanted I like to throw that. out there is that I I realized I've been really um, presumptuous that we all sort of share the same, same idea of what democracy means. So I was like, you know, maybe we ought to just take a second and define it. And so um, I looked it up and this to me matches, I think, what is in my mind, which is that democracy is a form of government in which the people have the authority to deliberate and decide legislation or to choose governing officials to do so, right? So here in the U.S., we have representative democracy where we like to believe that we elect our leaders who govern and legislate on our behalves and with our best interests in mind. So when we say democracy, that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for taking a minute to explain that because I, yeah, I do think a lot of these words 
are becoming loaded and we don't have a collective understanding. So the more we can step back and be like, let's make sure we're all on the same page here. Okay, cool. Let's move forward. The better off we are. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode, everybody. Let, let it, As always, let us know what you think. Share your thoughts. How was voting for you? Last time you voted, uh, are you registered? Make sure you're registered. And we're going to provide more resources to help you understand how American democracy works. And how Texas <laughs> does these things too. That's right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.